You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 115. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey san, hey san! Good to be back. You're back. Good and to be back. So good to have you back. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I hope people are okay with my voice because it's still not back to its normal fantastic um, you know quality, but uh, it's um, it'll have to do because it's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the quality of your voice. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, you sound great. Yeah, maybe I should maybe I should embrace this sexy voice. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds much more authoritative. Yeah, well, it's still the same crappy brain behind it, so so don't get any higher hopes. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. But I ho- hope you're feeling much, much better than, than yeah, you used to. I feel better, but uh, I still have some ways to go. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Keep at it, then. Mm-hmm. I will. So, what about you, Yolana? Yeah, everything is good. I have no particular news mm-hmm. to report on, and my voice sounds just as it always did. Hmm. Beautiful no. as ever, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, happy Women's Day. It is Women's Day. Funnily enough, it, it, it isn't being celebrated in UK, um, although where I grew up, we would celebrate it every year. Oh, yeah. really? And buy flowers and it's, yeah, it used to be a big deal. Yeah. When I was growing up, every adult around me was saying that it's uh, it's a remnant of communism, but then... Uh, all all across Europe, there are several countries where it is celebrated. So I, it's um, if it's only for for your country, your country of origin, of course that would count as one of the former uh, communist yeah, countries. But that's right. But um, is it celebrated in Sweden? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've never heard that it should be specially associated with the, the socialist or the communist <laughs> countries. It's. It's, it's been silly. here for, I mean, many, many years, as long yeah, as I can remember, I think. I remember going to parades and all sorts of wonderful things. Anyway. It's a great thing to have. Parades, I don't remember. have Not big ones, anyway. Uh, yeah, maybe they weren't that big. But yeah, anyway. I, I will celebrate the day when we don't need it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I subscribe to that. That's something to look <laughs> yeah. forward to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, well, speaking about uh, women's rights or women's uh, respecting women... Uh, we uh, during my absence here, I've been away for a couple of episodes. Uh, nobody, I guess, guess have missed the the big scandal with Lawrence Krauss, who definitely seem not to be able to respect women. I, I got a bit fired up, not just because of Lawrence Krauss, uh, that too, but also because some people that should know better, I think, in the skeptical and atheist movement has not uh, reacted to it in the, the, the way that I think that they should. A, a, a lot of them have, though. There are exceptions, of course, and most of them have, but there are so, some uh, bad eggs out there. So maybe we should start from the beginning. Uh, if, if people don't know who L- Lawrence Krauss is, he is an American-Canadian theoretical physicist, and he is, or I should say, he was, 
hopefully. <laughs> a leading figure in the atheist and skeptical movements. He is an author and he's a big star on many skeptical conferences. On the 22nd of February, the site BuzzFeed published a blog post which described a long list of allegations regarding sexual misconduct, especially in connection with the skeptical conferences or the atheist conferences. On, on Krauss's behalf, that is. And the reason I want to bring it up again is that uh, some skeptics didn't know how to handle this in the best way. So what what actions are we talking about? Because I haven't read up on it because I was too busy campaigning these these uh, last last couple of weeks. Uh, oh, I, actually, I think we should just link to the BuzzFeed uh, article uh, because mm -hmm. it's, it's a very long list of allegations. But it includes unwelcome uh, advances. It, it, it involves grabbing women in places where they don't want to be grabbed and and uh, things like that mm -hmm. so we're not we're not talking probably and i'm not a legal expert I, we're not talking uh, about outright illegal things at least not well i can't really but i can't really say but he's been very very creepy and it's been for a long long time as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So, so so read the buzzfeed article it's very well researched there's a lot of testimonials there from named people and some people who want to remain anonymous but that's okay. I mean, you have to respect if people don't want to be there with their names. Some people who want to be uh, left anonymous, other people who are not anonymous have come in and, uh, you know, confirmed the anonymous claim because they saw it happen, etc. No, the behavior that I have noticed by some skeptics is that some people feel it's appropriate to try to break down these allegations by pointing out minor uh, question marks or discrepancies as if they invalidate the whole thing. It's almost like behavior that we recognize from conspiracy theorists when they say, well, what about this? What, you can't explain this particular part. You don't know exactly what that person said, or this is not exactly the same as the other person said. One argument, example is, you can't really argue that whether Krauss was seen to, quote, reach for a woman's breast, or whether he was seen actually grabbing that woman's breast and say that that invalidates the whole thing. It's still despicable behavior, whether he succeeded of, of in, 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 in grabbing the breast or not. It's not, it's absolutely horrible. You can't behave like that. And we, we should say also, it's not just one allegation. There are dozens of reports over a long period of time. And actually, I heard this uh, rumors this a, a couple of months ago, or in, was in September. Uh, and I didn't know what to do with it, because at that point it was just rumors. But now that it's documented and it goes back over a long period of time, I think there's no way that this is made up or not true. And, and, you know, one idiotic response. I got out on, on social media, on, on Facebook, because that's where I am most of the time. Twitter is not something that agrees with me as much. And when I stated my position saying, this is, this is, you know, Krauss is finished as far as I'm concerned. He should not be welcome in any skeptical uh, conferences or atheistic conferences at all. He has done this too many times. It's obvious that he's a creep and we don't want creeps at our conferences. Some people 
came back at me, well, Pontus, you said it has, this has been going on for decades. But actually, if you read the BuzzFeed article, it was only 12 <laughs> years since the last... Only? Uh, for, since the first uh, allegation. So that's not decades in plural. So therefore, sort of implying that my, my position was invalid. That's, that's just pure nitpicking. Yes, it's... <laughs> for no reason at all. So um, I, I think we should apply... We should be good skeptics and apply... Occam's razor that we are talking about uh, all the time in other cases. You know, we basically have two possible scenarios. Either Krauss has a problem with how to behave towards women, or dozens of women, independently of each other, over a long period of time, have decided to try to bring him down for no reason that we can identify at all. What is the more likely? You know, we talk also about extraordinary claims. And extraordinary claims uh, demands extraordinary evidence. So which claim is the most extraordinary here? That we have a man with a problem that is unfortunately all too common for men. Or that there is a vast conspiracy with no clear motive whatsoever. We should be behaving better than the Catholic Church. Don't make excuses. Don't cover things up. Mm. If he cannot behave out with him, there are plenty of other good... Uh, uh, speakers that we can have at conferences. Yes, he's a brilliant physicist and yes, he has had some good books and he has some very good uh, ideas and some very good uh, uh, speeches behind him, but no more. We can find other people. We're better than this. I agree. Good. And uh, you know, what's uh, why I, I do think it's uh, even more likely is because he's a celebrity. And celebrities tend to slip into weird situations and weird behaviors because it's not easy to handle being a celebrity. So it requires a certain set of social skills yeah. to, to handle being um, a celebrity properly. And many, many men have uh, a weird approach to women as well. And I'm not saying it's it's them being uh, necessarily socially awkward, but it can get to that point as well if it's not handled in the right way. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And the other thing is that I I find him a bit creepy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I can I do like his talks. I uh, I do like the way his mind works when when he puts up arguments. But I don't know. I I think there is something about him yeah. socially that that is 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 a bit weird and this is why it fits right into my expectations mm. about him um and i don't i do know f that that it's not the proper argument in a way but it goes very well with occam's razor because it fits right into the system and it doesn't require any any new factors to to be brought in no it doesn't require any extraordinary evidence. It seems yeah, yeah, all exactly. too uh, credible, unfortunately. Well, I do agree with you, uh, Pontus, mm. uh, because it has to be handled very strictly. Yeah. And um, there's, there's, there's no room for that kind of behavior in our community. We are a small community, I understand that, but uh, but we have to have standards. And it might, it, it, it might sound a bit elitist, but I, I don't think think it should be taken as such no i don't <laughs> think it is actually i think i think it's uh, we we need to be a movement that 
make sure that we have a, a, a high moral standard and this does not fit there yeah but on the other hand we we shouldn't expect our spokespeople to be perfect no but we should call them out if they do something unacceptable yeah and definitely not uh, try to wash them clear of their bad deeds <laughs> absolutely yeah okay um talking about the, the the skeptic movement and the international skeptic movement there are a couple of things uh to mention positive things to mention one of them is a book that has not uh, come out yet but it will be released on the 2nd of october and you know what i'm talking about yeah, the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Exactly, the Skeptic's yeah. Guide to the Universe. I can't wait to to read it. Mm, me and too. I'm wondering if there is a translation process in in progress as well. It would be quite interesting to have that because if it's anything of what we experience weekly on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast, if it's that kind of stuff poured into a book, then it should be available in all of the languages out there. <laughs> well, we'll see. So if someone knows about uh, an ongoing translation project, uh, project, please let us know. Because we want to know. Because we have to. And another book that I will not be able to read <laughs> is one that is <laughs> that is uh, published in Portugal. And the, the, the English translation of the title is Science and its enemies. There are two authors, Carlos Fiolhais and uh, David Marsal. So one of them is a um, physicist and the other one is a biochemist. And uh, they are uh, taking care of the, the different ways of how people deceive other people and uh, what different approaches there are um, that result in uh, people, be, people being misled um, about science and scientific issues. So uh, that's what I could make out of uh, the original article uh, the the book review on concept.org's website. So the website of the the Portuguese uh, skeptic community. If someone knows about this book a bit more, please let us know, because it would be interesting to understand it properly. And of course, you can uh, do that by getting in touch with us. Um, the easiest way would be to email us, which is info at theesp.eu. You can also find us on Facebook, um, follow us there, or on Twitter. Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore you or you can go on our website which is theesp.eu and complete a contact form on there and also if you get our podcast on itunes please don't forget to leave us a nice review it helps us to reach better rating on itunes and uh, it will help us to spread the word yeah yeah, in case you leave a nice review. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah nice reviews. <laughs> and uh, Nice reviews only. Thank you very much. Yeah, and if you're really nice, you could also decide to, to help support the show by going to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon.com uh, slash uh, the ESP mm-hmm. and support us there. That would be very much appreciated. Indeed. Yes, and if you don't want to get in touch with us, you can still get in touch with others, like uh, Massimo Polidoro, <laughs> because he's um, asking his uh, YouTube followers to um, get a couple of uh, inputs regarding ideas and topics to talk about, uh, because he's he's about to launch a YouTube series 
are talking about uh, uh, different mysteries and uh, investigations on mysteries mm. and uh, that kind of stuff. So um, I, I'm not sure if he is about to do it in English as well, but it's probably worth a try leaving a comment uh, on his YouTube channel or his Facebook page um, in English and see what happens. But uh, we are here to do um, an actual episode of the ESP and not just um, talk about books. So let's run the first segment of this episode, with it, which is the usual This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena. I am very excited today to talk about um, somebody who discovered cool things. <laughs> um, so it, it is uh, Marie Anning, uh, who was an English fossil collector who died on the 9th of March, 1847. She, uh, she didn't live that long, but she did a lot of good for, for the science. And um, the reason why I'm excited about it, well, actually doubly excited, is because, first of all, she was a woman. And... Uh, second of all, I love dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? I think they, they're pretty amazing. And the fact that they existed, just incredible. And so um, before she start, well, she was lucky enough to live near the dinosaur burial, uh, 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 the grounds where a lot of dinosaur fossils were bur buried. Um, but she started collecting those bones when she was fairly young, about 12 years old. And it was really difficult because she wasn't a scientist, she wasn't qualified, she was a woman, and uh, for a very long time she wasn't taken seriously. Um, but actually she became um, later on well-known in, in scientific circles. And uh, her findings so helped establish the, the, the fact that actually the, there were extinctions uh, in the past and, and several species, including dinosaurs, became extinct, which was very uh, different perception of the people of that time um, in the um, 1800s. They still believed that the extinction never happened, apparently. is the people who were scientifically literate and educated people because they felt that the extinction would imply that God's creation had been imperfect. Imagine that. Who would have thought? But of course, as, as the um, uh, science progressed and more became known, um, it became apparent that there were several extinctions, big extinctions, as, as we all know now. And, um, I mean, uh, I'm for one, it's very sad that dinosaurs are extinct, but, um, something tells me if they weren't extinct, we wouldn't be able to talk about it. <laughs> exist, exist as here. Yeah. We probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. It's human because beings. their extinction opened up, opened up the that's niches right, for, that's right. for us. So, so yeah. um, I mean, for our ancestors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for A us. lot of her, um, a specimen, the, the, bone, the bones that she found uh, are displayed in Natural History Museum in London, one of my favorite places and favorite museums of all times. Um, <laughs> and um, she just was extremely curious and she would collect these uh, specimens and make uh, drawings and um, became just an, an amazing scientist in her own right. Um, and... Uh, a great example to all of us, really. So um, this is not scientifically proven, but there was a famous tongue twister in England, in English, that goes something like this. I don't know if I can, I can say this as quick as, as it should be said. 
she sells seashells on the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. So if she sells seashells on the seashore, then I'm sure she sells seashell shells. <laughs> well done. So apparently that it's said to be <laughs> said to be about her. Anyway, so apparently yeah, okay. the, the seashells was sold by her on the sea on the seashore. But uh, because she was living on the seashore that's and great. that's where anyway. But that's not proven scientifically. <laughs> So this is just some speculations um, on Wikipedia page that I found quite amusing. Um, yeah, so, so that's uh, Mary Anning, uh, the uh, famous fossil collector um, and uh, the great uh, science contributor hmm. of uh, 19th century. Great. Very nice. Thank you very much, Helena. Thank you. Let's turn our sceptical eyes towards a couple of news items from across Europe. The first one is, the first news is I want to direct our uh, listeners' attention to an article written by Deborah Hyde in The Guardian. We all know and love Deborah Hyde, right? Indeed. Yes. Yes, she is the editor of The the Skeptic, the UK magazine, and she is also a, a, a very fantastic speaker. Uh, we've seen her several times. She is an expert on witches and werewolves and vampires and stuff. But what she has written about now is exorcism, actually. And she has written an article as a reaction to information that the Vatican has set up a new exorcist training, uh, as if we needed that. Uh, and they did that because they are uh, convinced that there's uh, increased demonic possession in the world. The Vatican officially gave its support to something called the International Association of Exorcists in 2014. I think I've mentioned that sometime before. Uh, it has about 400 members. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's only 400, to be honest. Exorcists. Uh, I think that's quite a lot, actually. Do you think so? But, but it's, look, it's 7 billion people. I mean, I'm, I'm not <laughs> it's worried. It's more than the people that the world needs. That's, that's I'm not worried. That, yeah. they're, very, they're very efficient, <laughs> according to themselves. I, I, I think several hundred thousands of, of exorcisms per guy uh, is what they're claiming. At least really? what, uh, some of them are, uh, I've seen. Okay. But the, all joking aside, this is really serious, like uh, Deborah points out in the article. Uh, only in the UK, almost 1,500 child abuse cases per year are linked to the notions of witchcraft and demonic possessions. You know, you, you're actually targeting vulnerable people, like children. Or of some reason, and we've talked about this before, often young girls, and you you basically hit them, and or you abuse them, uh, not not abuse them sexually. Well, that happens too, but you either uh, hit them physically or you torture them psychologically for reasons uh, that are just totally made up. There, there are you know schizophrenia and bipolar disorders are sometimes confused by these people as uh, being um, signs of demonic possession. And uh, that is, of course, extremely hurtful, harmful, because that keeps people from getting the, the, the treatment that they, they need. Mm. And also what she writes is correct, that, that if you have a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail, which means that if you think that there you, you can do exorcisms then you're trying to fix all kinds of problems with that and of course since it's all made up it can only create a lot of uh, bad effects in the world yeah as usual deborah also has an excellent historical perspective so go and read her article it's very good 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, sad to, to hear that it's spreading because I thought, you know, when we, we, we heard that talk uh, from the Exorcist Monthly, who was this guy from the European Skeptics yeah. Congress? Mariusz something? Yeah, I, I thought it was just a one-off kind of isolated country, you know, Poland. They they, they seem to have a exorcism on the rise, but it's... Um, no, I think... It, but it's a huge country, so if they have it on the rise, that well, means... Well, I guess it so, is. yeah. But I, I think it is it is uh, on the rise. It, mm. I think it's hard to... to uh, to actually measure, but I, I, I do have a feeling that it is well, not uncommon and it's all over the place where you least expect it, actually. It's either on the rise or we start talking about it more. <laughs> yeah, well, if we start talking about it more, that's a good thing. Uh, we shouldn't stop doing that. But what I was um, surprised of when I investigated this uh, some time ago was that it was not just the Catholic Church. I thought it was just... a the Catholics who believed in this, it's quite a lot of uh, Protestants as well, or other odd variants of Christianity, but uh, it's all over Although the place. Although we, we tend to think of Protestants as uh, a bit more sane people in general. Yeah, because they don't have a leader um, in a funny hat, but I think we should uh, <laughs> be uh, skeptical of them as well. Yeah, well, it's still religion, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, exorcism is, I think we can agree, is completely useless and uh, and can even be harmful. But that is uh, something that can be told about uh, homeopathy as well. And uh, even though in London there is an institution called Homeopathic Research Institute, that is totally useless because homeopathy doesn't need any more research to be done because what we have so far is quite conclusive that it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work. So uh, there is something called Information Netzwerk Homeopathie uh, that's in Germany. We've talked about that several times. Uh, we even had uh, Natalie Grams, one of the most prominent people working in information uh, network on homeopathy. But there are others working in that team of people uh, trying to educate Germany uh, or German audiences into uh, homeopathy and uh, the critical approach to homeopathy. And uh, one of them is uh, Edzard Ernst, whom we admire a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, there are two others, Udo Andruscheid and Sven Rudloff, who are working towards translating the articles published on uh, Information Network Homeopathy's website into English so that Good, great. it's available to everyone to read. Yeah. And uh, there are, so far, there are three articles translated. One of them is a general uh, introductional kind of thing that there is no evidence uh, of efficacy uh, of homeopathic remedies. Uh, the other one is about trials, different trials, and that there are no good trials with positive results. And the third is discussing how it's totally impossible for that to work. So um, the, the background that is given by homeopaths um, as to how it works, there is a total lack of plausibility uh, of, of yeah. 
that kind of contradicts um, all what, what we know about how yeah, the world works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not plausible at all. And uh, when it, when we put it together with the fact that the it doesn't the, seem to work, the trials yeah. so that it doesn't seem to work, we should just leave it alone behind us. Uh, so this is why it's very important what they are doing now, because they are translating it into, in, into English. That means it has a wider reach of audiences, and we can start working on translating them into other languages so that we can reach even more people. And Edzard Ernst definitely encourages everyone to do that, to translate the articles into their own languages. And um, But the only thing that they ask for is being credited mm. um, at, the, at the, the translations. And uh, they would like to be sent links... Uh, to the the translated articles so that they can um, use it as a co- kind of a collection and they know about it and they can they can link on their own websites to the translated articles which is a, a really good approach I, I um, and that leads to a wider scale international collaboration and uh, as always I'd like to encourage that and I'd like to encourage people to to work towards that and uh, put some effort into this project because it's it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great initiative. Yeah. Yeah, and thanks very much to uh, Edzard Ernst, Udo Entruscheid and Sven Rudloff mm-hmm. for this work. Very good. And for the whole team of Information Network Homeopathy of course. for putting together the original material. It wouldn't be a proper show if I didn't talk about measles. <laughs> oh, that's right. So that's the that's next right. news item. <laughs> it's either you point us or me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's not. It's not just me. It's not just me. So I'll just shut up. Yeah, then. no, we can. You can help. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we should go to Italy uh, and talk about mandatory measles vaccinations. And actually, it concerns a few other European countries as well. We have an ongoing little debate here. Uh, long-time listeners may know whether it's a good idea or not to make vaccinations mandatory. Uh, it was up on the last episode when I wasn't here, uh, when you two guys interviewed uh, Ovidiu Kovacu mm-hmm. uh, from Romania. And uh, he made a very convincing argument, I think, that, that mandatory vaccinations does improve the vaccination rates. Well, thank you very much for acknowledging that, Pontus. Yes, I am a good skeptic. I know when... when... <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm... I'm <laughs> 100% convinced, but it sure, was a convincing sure. argument, and it, I think it's worth looking at that. But in, in any case, whether or not it works, <laughs> uh, we should um, acknowledge the fact that Italy now has made it uh, uh, mandatory to be to have uh, been vaccinated uh, against measles. From March, you are no longer allowed in Italian schools if you haven't been vaccinated. I assume that there are some exceptions if you for some reason cannot be vaccinated but uh, if you have no medical condition that prevents it you have to be vaccinated to attend the the schools and similar rules have recently been implemented both in Germany and France as well so Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of uh, my uh, skepticism of, against doing this, making it mandatory. It's interesting to note that the trend now in Europe is to make it mandatory. Uh, it's not strange. We, we're talking about like 20, I think officially 
I saw the figure 21,000 uh, missile cases in Europe uh, last year, and that's including Ukraine as well, which is rapidly coming up as unfortunately a big problem when it comes to missiles. So it, there's a lot of measles cases going on in, in, in uh, Europe at the moment, even in Sweden, the UK has been mentioned. There's a thousand, I think, in, in, in Germany last year. Yeah. So we see this reaction now that it becomes more and more mandatory to be vaccinated. Like it is in my country, yes. Mm? Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh- People kind of panicking a little bit now, you know. They see yeah. that it's um, it's an it's no joke. Uh, kids are dying. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're talking about like almost, I think, forty forty deaths in 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 Europe yes. last year. So mm. I think now j- people just throwing anything at it. So let's mm. do mandatory vaccinations. Let's do as much exactly. education as possible. Let's reach just everything that <clears throat> you know they can think of. Mm. Mm. And and because the prime d- directive here should be the health of the children, yeah. right? And the population in general. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the argument when, when uh, parents argue that uh, they should have the right to decide what to do, it's just, it's just nonsensical. No. I mean, mm. even um, the UN has a convention on the rights of the child. Uh, which is quite clear as to okay, it's it doesn't specifically talk about vaccinations, but it talks about the the need for a healthy life, and it's been ratified by the EU as well, mm. and they they use it as an EU directive in in terms of of how to handle that. So it should already be in place in every country. But it's it's not the case apparently. Mm. So mm. that's um, that's pretty bad. Yeah, and so as one of the other initiatives um, that we we are aware of or, or heard of, uh, coming from our uh, friends in the Czech Skeptic Club Sisyphus, they've created the Provax Challenge, and it's got a hashtag Provax Challenge on social media, and it's a challenge for all who are not afraid of needles, and even bigger challenge for those who are, <laughs> um, and they asking people to j- to join them and uh, Im- immortalize themselves either while getting vaccination or with a post-vax band-aid take photos of your vaccination cards don't be afraid to involve your kids and pets and share your photos on social media using the hashtag uh, provax challenge and the goal of this campaign is to show people that vaccinating is part of life in the 21st century Hmm. Um, so they talk about how the first vaccination was introduced in the half of the, uh, in the middle of the 19th century, and um, it's one of the most significant accomplishments of the of the medicine, really, and eradicated um, a lot of mm-hmm. terrible diseases that we don't even know about now. We like I, I I'm sure I've I have never seen uh, many cases of diseases that were eradicated by vaccination. Yeah, join them if you if you can if if you're vaccinating your kids. Hashtag Provax Challenge. I'm sure it's going to be on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's just another um, way to promote this as well. So, um, which I think is a, is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, good. There are a couple of great ideas out there. And uh, when it comes to, well, tackling the challenges that uh, modern society poses, 
and one of them is dealing with fake news, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, partly responsible for causing the problems with uh, with vaccination and the anti-vaccination movement as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's lots of false information spreading. And um, this is why I find it really exciting and uh, really a way forward uh, that I bumped into through... That was through uh, GVUP's website, by the way, that uh, on the blog, uh, GVUP, the German Skeptic Society, uh, they promoted this. And that is called uh, getbadnews.com. And this is um, an online application that teaches you how to handle fake news by building up a fake news kind of network. <laughs> but it it doesn't affect the outside world. It stays, everything stays on the website where you visit. And it's intended to be used as an educational tool as well when it comes to uh, tackling um, fake news and trying to figure out what's fake and what's not. And the team behind that is um, a team, um, a, an international team, as they refer to themselves. But uh, they are based, uh, their headquarters is in in The Hague. So it's, um, and the contact details they gave on their website are uh, uh, showing an origin in the Netherlands. So that's a pretty good one. Um, you can play, play it as a game. It's. Uh, I tried it. It's quite interesting. It builds up your skills as um, a fake news provider. And there is only one thing that I'm a bit worried about. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie titled The Wave. It's a German movie. I think you mentioned it before, but I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, me neither. I do recommend everyone to see it uh, because it builds up... Uh, it's the story is based on a teacher who wants to teach the uh, the the Nazi ways of building a community and mm. and 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 how they grew up to to being the Nazis. So, so he wants to demonstrate the whole thing, and he starts by building up a small community and add the different actions that a community needs uh, for them uh, as a cohesive force, and it end up, ends up getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that occurred to me when I started playing the game is that, yeah, but what if someone, someone takes the whole thing seriously? Yeah. And they see the opportunity <laughs> in in doing the very thing that you want to tackle. Yeah. So this is why I I believe skeptics should use it skeptics should try this but um non-skeptics or those not familiar with um the basics of critical thinking they should be using this uh with guidance (laughs) so i'm pretty sure it's a very good teaching material it's a very good uh, uh kind of stuff that you can use in the classroom but usually it should start with being guided through the game and uh, that is something that they recommend as well. So they did specifically mention that they intended for classroom use uh, with supervision. So that's uh, that's aboutbadnews.com where you can read read up on on the the, the project, and the the actual project can be reached at getbadnews.com. Hmm. 
Yep. Interesting. It is. See, okay. see how it turns out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. All that means that we've covered all the news items that we could find for this week. Please, dear listeners, if you feel like we've missed out on something and our attention slipped through something that you feel very important to be covered, then please let us know and uh, we'll talk about it next time. Or you can constantly bombard us with news items. Mm-hmm. That's when, fine. When you find them. Yeah, I would I would uh, encourage everyone to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, because um, if we find it and you find it as well, it's much better than no one finding it. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> just... Uh, yeah, relying on ourselves and we're not finding it, so um, it it doesn't appear in the show. We want to cover all the corners. But now, let's move on to the next segment, which is really wrong that we haven't had for a long, long time. <laughs> Yay! Uh, we have mentioned uh, Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm several times in the past. Mostly in connection with the Macchiarini scandal. So just quick recap. Karolinska in Stockholm uh, is one of the largest and most prestigious medical universities in the world. It includes a Nobel Assembly, uh, which every year awards the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Uh, It frankly does a hell of a lot of good in, in the name of science. However... Karolinska failed to recognize and stop a man called Paolo Macchiarini, who conducted fraudulent research there a couple of years ago, and it resulted in in several patients dying, and we've talked about that several times. But this time, they have actually stepped into it again. Uh, Not as bad, nobody's died yet, um, but they have a Dr. Lena Nilsson-Wikmar there, Uh, She is a a professor in physiotherapy, and she's also the chair of the Educational Board of Neurobiology. Uh, And she has decided to approve a course to be held at Karolinska called Integrative Healthcare. The course uh, that will focus on aesthetic understanding, meditation and artistic exercises will be executed in cooperation with the Anthroposophic Vidar Clinic, which I also mentioned before. Uh, this is a, an anthroposophic hospital uh, just south of Stockholm that promotes homeopathy, magical thinking and supports people who are opposed to vaccinations. So you, we have that again. It is really a bad idea for Karolinska to associate themselves with uh, anthroposophic ideas. And it really puts another dent in their, uh, by now, somewhat tarnished reputation. So, when such prestigious institutions as Karolinska start to legitimize the ideas of and even cooperate with anthroposophic quacks, they should expect to receive a prize for being really wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watch out, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Pontus is listening. Pontus is, is watching. All the time. Okay? Yes. All the time. So be scared. Yes. Very scared. <laughs> no, but seriously, <laughs> it's a really bad idea and I can't imagine what they're thinking. Oh, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But... That's what you're here for, right? Yes. To point that out. We are the watchguards. Them being ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you very much, Pontus. Yep. I believe that means that we are almost done with this show. Uh, but first, we would like to hear a super duper quote presented by Yamala. I have a quote from a French mathematician, Blaise Pascal. And he said, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. <gasps> I just want to say, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you find proof that are really attractive, then it's okay. <laughs> but that almost never works like, works like that. If you're att- attracted to proof. <laughs> and good evidence. <laughs> and good evidence. Wouldn't that be great? Be a skeptic. Yeah. We would be need a skeptic. To I am biased towards good evidence, actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. <laughs> you know, that that should make it to the quotes one day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm biased towards good evidence. <laughs> uh, it was so great to, to have you back, Pontus. All right. Yeah, so good great to, to be, be together again. Hmm? Yeah, so thanks very much, guys, for, for joining me today. All right. All right. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next week, when we're going to be back with an interview, goodbye. Paka paka. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe This is episode num... Num... Num hundred. Num. This is a num hundred. Episode num. Not a normal hundred, it's a num hundred. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, it sounds much more authoritative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or how do how do you say that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the right way. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long ago that you have no idea how to start it, right? It's been really long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It includes uh, a noble assembly. Uh, no, noble. No. It includes a Nobel assembly. No, I shouldn't. Do that. Editing, editing. Thank you. Yeah. We can't hear you, Jelena. It is from the French... Ma- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I have a quote. Paka paka. Oh. What, what's that? And That's goodbye in Russian. Thanks to our listeners <laughs> for tuning in. <laughs>
Okay, are we done? <laughs> I'll make it. I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. I'm gonna. In post. Yeah, that's it. I'm gonna do that like thing. Oh yeah, paka paka. No, paka paka. What is that? It's bye bye. That's goodbye in Russian. Oh, fucka fucka. No, 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 paka paka.